Hello! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. My name is Kenna. I'm Koel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome! <laughs> I feel like I already have to clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Always happens. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Doing all right. Good. Yeah. Just uh, excited for the holidays. Yes. Right around the corner. Just around the corner. Do you remember that from elementary school? Did they ever show you that video in um, when they made you watch a video about getting your period? No. It's a little, it's like, just around the corner. They would sing that. Like, it's like, it's just around the corner. You better be prepared. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Me and my that friends would always go, just around the corner is your period. <laughs> be a little jingle. Just a little jingle for you. <sighs> well, funny. I for one am glad to be back and talking to the listeners. I know I speak for both of us when I say that as well. And it's been a good past couple of weeks. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's been going good. I think we're, we're getting into a groove, I yeah. think. Yeah. With balancing school and work and family and you know, the holidays coming up and all that. Yeah, I'm really excited for the holiday season. And thank you guys a lot for kind of diving into our Mental Breakdown Monday posts, because yes. I feel like we've gotten a lot of good interaction on those. Yeah. World Mental Health Day we also posted for. I hope everyone took care of themselves and did a little TLC or whatever it is that makes you happy. Yeah, some self-care. I did that today. Yes, Desperately yes. needed it a little bit. <laughs> you know, we always need that. Smelling a little ripe. Oh my so. gosh, I love that. <laughs> well, during the break, uh, two of my friends got engaged, so I do just want to say congratulations to Kirk and Abby. We I, we were able to be there, <clears throat> excuse me, be there with them when they got engaged via helicopter, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, helicopter. Yeah, it was really cool. We saw them, like, fly in. Oh, I don't think yeah. I've ever been under a helicopter, like, blade, like the oh, wind. It was a lot of It wind. was a lot, yeah, yeah. But it was a beautiful day, and we had a great night, and congrats, guys. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Do you have anything before we get started? No, not really. I'm really appreciating everybody's circulating some of our older episodes. We've noticed a little bit of a spike in those earlier episodes being shared, downloaded, yeah. all that stuff commented on. So thank you so much, guys, for continuing to support us by word of mouth or sharing our posts and all that other great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to have some new listeners. And then, of course, our lovely loyal listeners. Mm -hmm. Oh, Triple L. <laughs> Lovely loyal listeners. Triple L. Oh, Triple L. I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> That's so funny. And then we also just want to shout out our Patreon members. Of course, you guys are awesome. We had a new episode come out on the 29th. I'm sure you guys enjoyed that one. And I am... I don't know. Should we announce at the end of this what we're doing for our Patreon? I don't know. You have it. I don't even know what you're doing. You don't know what I'm doing? I think you might have told me, but I forgot already. Oh my gosh. It's... It's definitely something that oh, I know what you're shaped doing. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're doing. Shaped America. Yeah, it's actually and a request as well. It is a request from a while back and it's it's really intense having to submerge yourself into this world of something that was so shocking. Yeah. Oh yeah. For the time. And it's something that me and I mean it pretty much Everyone my age, you know, around my age and, and older definitely remembers. Um, it's, again, it's it's one of those topics that it's hard to talk about. It's 
definitely going to contain some graphic content and some really kind of, you know, I mean, personally for me, like feeling kind of this, this weird spot in my brain where it's like, there is leftover, like residual, I wouldn't say trauma because I wasn't there, but it's definitely something that we still experience today on on a scale that is beyond, but this was, this was an event that was, it just shaped the way that, that the world thought about this particular topic. So do you uh, want to just go ahead and say it? I mean, I'm pretty sure the listeners already know. (laughs) Well, usually we wait until the end of an episode. Okay. Let's wait. Okay. We'll wait. All right. But look forward to that one. And that's actually Halloween weekend and that one's coming out Mm -hmm. as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And we are going to get into this episode, but one more thing I wanted to do is just shout out Bryson and Sophia. They are our listeners of ours. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Bryson a couple weeks ago, and his mom was telling me, oh, he's a true crime fan, true crime fan. You should tell him about your podcast. And I, he said, what's the name of your podcast? And I told him, and he goes, oh, you mean this one? He like, showed me on his phone. He's like, we listen. <laughs> me and my best friend Sophia listen. So thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. And thanks for being so awesome and loyal and yeah, fun. and supportive. Absolutely. Okay, we are going to get into this case. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I said it just yet on the episode, but this is a requested case as well. Mm-hmm. This is requested by one of our lovely listeners, a fellow Texan by the name of Connie. Hi, Connie. So, Connie, here it is. We are going to be talking about Mary Ann Cotton. Mary Ann Cotton? Have you heard of Mary Ann Cotton? No? I don't think so. Okay, well, it's a British case. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's another British case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Content warning. This episode contains depictions of child abuse, child neglect, deaths of minors, and execution. If this episode is not for you, we encourage you to find another one of our episodes. Remember, your mental health is very important to us, and we love you. Love you. Bye. So yes, another requested case. I'm really excited to get into it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Mary Ann Robson was born on October 31st, 1832, in Lowmorsley, County Durham, to parents Margaret Lonsdale and Michael Robson. So this is our Halloween episode. Yes. I'm going to just say... (laughs) There is so many names that are the same in this, this, really? in this case. Because it's the, they didn't have any names back in the 1830s, okay? They all had to have the same name. So just keep that in just mind as we go. a lot of Jims and a lot of Marys and a lot of Bobs. <clears throat> a lot of Michaels, a lot of Margarets, okay. yeah. <laughs> Father Michael was a coal miner, and Mom Margaret was a homemaker. Mary would be baptized very shortly after birth on November 11th, and her sister Margaret would also be born in 1834. So the mom's Margaret and the yes. little girl's Margaret. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, little Margaret would only survive a few months after being born. This was nothing sinister. It was just the 1830s. It was SIDS or something. Yeah. That's sad. The Robsons would welcome another child in 1835, Robert, just a year later. When Mary was eight years old, the family would move to Merton from County Durham. By the way, this is, like, not a lot of childhood, because, again, from the 18-fucking-hundreds. Okay, yes. <laughs> trying to get as much yeah. information as I could. Exactly. Newspapers didn't even exist, I don't think. They did. <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll see why. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> According to a Sunday school teacher of Mary's, growing up, Mary was, quote, a most exempl- exemplary and regular attender, a oh. girl of innocent disposition and average intelligence, and distinguished for her particularly clean and tidy appearance. Appearance, excuse me. Okay. So, nice girl, right? Mm-hmm. Just growing up. Within two years of the family move, in February of 1842, Michael Robson was involved in a mining accident in which he fell 150 feet, or 46 meters, to his death down a mine shaft. Oh my god. Yeah. When his body was returned to his family, it was actually noted as being in a sack with a stamp stating, quote, property of the South Hetton Coal Company, end quote. 
So it's like, hey, yeah, here's your um, husband, but we need that bag back. We're going to need that bag back. (laughs) They wanted the bag back? I don't know. I was just suggesting. No, it was more like to signify that he was property. Yeah. Not property, but, you know. Like this happened here and here's the, I don't know, name of the company. That's like horrific. It's terrible. But I feel like everyone was a coal miner back then. You know what what I'm saying? It's like they were, the employees were treated like, like, they were cabbage, yeah. yeah like they were owned by the company mm-hmm. like they were property yeah for sure along with returning michael's body the mine company had to break the news to margaret robert and mary that they would be evicted from the home as it was owned by the company so they like were living they were, there because he had the job there they were paying for his lodging or whatever yeah or providing lodging for him yeah which is awful that, oh God. Can you okay. imagine? Like, hey, you're, sorry, you're, I know your husband I know is dying, but can you, like, get the fuck like, out of here? Pack all your shit within the next three days? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thank no, you. It's, it's terrible, though. I honestly can't even imagine. Even today, like, can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. In the year 1843, Margaret would remarry to a man by the name of George Stott, also a coal miner. That was just a year later? This was, yeah. no, this was... You said... Yeah, you right. 42, 43. <laughs> yeah, you right. Yeah, you right. So she was able to live back on the property? That yeah, she's like, provided. oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm married to someone else that you work for, or that works for you, so... <laughs> cool. I'm just gonna... Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna move my stuff right over here. Yeah. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know? Mm-hmm. At the age of 16, Mary would leave home and would become a nurse at the nearby village of South Hetton. This job would be at the home of a manager of a colliery, Edward Potter... A colliery is, like, a mining company. Okay. I kind of figured that out. Mary would return back home with her mother and stepfather within three years and would change careers to become a dressmaker. So she was a nurse for three years and then she became a dressmaker? Mm-hmm. Okay. And she's, like, 20 at this point. So but she at- worked for someone when she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's like an at-home... At uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. It was, like, an at-home nursing service, <laughs> I can't talk to her. Okay. Well, this is what happens when we take an entire week off and for two weeks off in between episodes. <laughs> I can't talk. I forget how to podcast. At the age of 20 in 1852, Mary would meet and marry a man by the name of William Mowbray, a collier laborer at Newcastle Upton Tyne Registrar Office. Whoa. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. The two would soon move to Southwest England and would go on to have eight or nine children together. Eight or nine this is not exactly documented as the only child that who would have had a birth certificate would be her daughter, Margaret Jane, mm. born at St. German's in 1856. So it's thought that they had eight to nine kids, but only one of them had a record of their birth. Like an actual birth certificate. Mm-hmm. As time went on, four or five of Mary and William's children would ultimately end up passing away mm. from gastric fever or typhoid fever, mm. with their deaths not being recorded either. Yeah. This sounds kind of silly to us, like, today, because it's like, why didn't they report their deaths? But during this time, it actually wasn't illegal to not report a death, because mm-hmm. honestly, it was really frequent. And the law that enforced reporting deaths was actually not passed until 1856. Okay. Mary and William would move the family back to, back to northeast England, where William would work as a fireman on a steamboat sailing out of Sunderland. He would then go on to become a colliery foreman, and the two would welcome another child, Isabella, in 1858. So, so far, we only know of two children's names, Margaret and Isabella. Yes. Okay. Margaret Jane would pass away at just four years old in 1860. One year after their daughter's passing, in 1861, Mary and William would have yet another girl and would do the logical thing that any parent would do, naming this child Margaret Jane. No! Middle name as well. Margaret Jane. So, you had a daughter named Margaret Jane that died. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to have another kid and essentially say, oh, this was Mar- Margaret Jane. This is OG this is Margaret Jane. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't think they were trying to pass her off as, like, Margaret Jane, but, no. like, why would you name her the same thing? You can't replace that child. Yeah, it's also you know? her sister's name and her mother's name. So there's three Margarets in this family now. Very true. Yeah. Well, yes. her sister's passed away, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The couple would then welcome a son, John Robert William, in 1863, but John. he would unfortunately pass away as well just a year later from gastric fever. Do you see the correlation here? <laughs> Your eyebrows? <laughs> Ooh. Get the hint? No, it's not funny, but... In response to these deaths, William decided to take out a life insurance policy should anything happen to him. Because he's like, okay, everyone's getting sick in this family. Like, I need to protect you guys just in case I get the fever. Sure. After all, he was in a household of people who were continuously getting deathly ill, like I just said. In January of 1865, William would pass away from an intestinal disorder, (sighs) leaving Mary and their remaining children with a life insurance payout of 35 pounds or about $4,000 today. There's 35 pounds back then, obviously. Right, but $4,000 back then. uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. So how much is $4,000 today? I'm glad you asked, because it would be (laughs) just north of about 71K. Okay, which makes sense because he was like a foreman or something. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Okay. Shortly after William's death, Mary would move to Seaham Harbor, County Durham, where she would meet and quickly begin dating a married man by the name of Joseph Natras. Was he also a minor? Probably. (laughs) Around this time, Mary's three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, the second Margaret Jane, would pass away from typhus fever. Mary Jane's, excuse me, Margaret Jane's death would leave Mary with just one child left out of the presumed nine that she had with William. And that's Isabella? Yes. Following the death of her daughter, Mary would break up with Joseph and move back to, I just realized her names are Mary and Joseph, lol, and move (laughs) back to Sunderland and begin working in the Sunderland Infirmary, House of Recovering for the Cure of Contagious Fever, Dispensary, and Humane Society. (laughs) That's the name of this. What? It's a, like, stupid, stupid log. It's so Why? Long. I don't know. Dispensary? It's, like, a bunch of different things. It's an infirmary. I guess it's, like, a dispensary would be, like, a like a pharmacy. Yeah, if it's okay. pharmacy. Yeah, I was like, yeah, they were selling fucking pot. Like, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Upon arriving in Sunderland, Mary would send her surviving child, Isabella, to live with her mother, Margaret. Clearly, she can't take care of these children, because they all keep dying. They all keep dying. So she's like, oh, yeah, she's let like, me just, just yeah. send you my sick child. Well, she's not sick. She's fine. She could be, though. Very true. <laughs> While working at the practice with the longest name in the world, Mary would have a patient <laughs> by the name of George Ward, and the two would begin dating. The two would quickly get married, Ugh. tying the knot on August 28th, 1865, just seven months after William died. Seven months? Oh, yeah. She's just like her mom, right? Turn around, marry another guy. Yeah, you, got, you have to. It's the hustle. So George is one of her patients again. George was seriously ill, suffering from paralysis and intestinal problems. These complications would seemingly ultimately end his life just a little over a year after the wedding date on October 20th, 1866. Oh, no. Okay, no. This chick... Okay. Like, we already knew, right? I mean, we have our suspicions. Her name is the name of the episode. So So true. Every time I'm like, well, I can't speculate Well, also, yeah, there's no speculating who's who's the culprit, right? That's the downside to our podcast. Like, you already know who did it. You already know. It's not suspicious. This is not a whodunit podcast. It's not a thriller. Yeah, thriller <laughs> but ha- now she's like actually seeking sick people out well it kind of yeah it kind of seems that way and again he was very ill but the cause of death on his death certificate would state that he died due to an english cholera and typhoid fever so right. not what he was his ailments were when he was in the home other than the tummy stuff he said that yeah he, he had intestinal sick, stuff yeah. yeah 
The attending doctor at the practice had later stated that while George had been very ill, the quickness of his death was very surprising. I didn't expect him to die that soon. I see. Once again, Mary would collect life insurance from the death of her husband. Hmm. A month later, Mary would meet and begin working for a man by the name of James Robinson, a shipyard foreman. Mary would begin her employment for James by becoming his housekeeper. James was a widower whose wife Hannah had recently died, and the two had multiple children together. So Mary began working for him to help around the house. Okay. This is in November of 1866. One month later, James's baby John would pass away of gastric <sighs> fever, and he was absolutely devastated. Heartbroken, James would turn to Mary for comfort, and the two would become intimate. So his wife has already passed, mm-hmm. then his baby passed. Mm-hmm, one of his children. That's awful. Mary would soon become pregnant. Ah. Shortly after this, after getting pregnant, Mary would get the news that her mother Margaret had become extremely ill with hepatitis, so Mary would make the drive to meet her and see him harbor. Once Mary arrived, she noticed that her mother was beginning to recover, until she started complaining about stomach pains. Hmm. Those pesky stomach pains. Oh, yeah, it just (laughs) surrounds me. I'm surprised I haven't gotten it yet. (laughs) Margaret would pass away in the spring of 1867, just nine days after Mary's arrival. Margaret? Her mother? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, which Margaret? Mm -hmm. The same year in 1867, Mary's stepfather would marry his widowed neighbor, Hannah Paley. Again, Hannah, Margaret, Hannah, it's all his names. Say that again, sorry. Mary's stepfather would marry his neighbor who was widowed. Oh, oh, his His stepfather. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay, okay. Her stepfather. Mary's stepdad. Mary's stepdad married. Yes, his neighbor. His neighbor was a widow. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Mary had a little lamb. (laughs) How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? There's chocolate, and then there's lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky, smooth, and velvety texture has been synonymous with the name lint since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with a $60 purchase. Be part of the lint legacy and grab a bag of their world-famous truffles today. So with her mother gone, Mary was forced to take care of her daughter, Isabella, whom she brought back to live with her and James. She's forced to. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sure, that's how she felt. She's like, oh, god dang it. (laughs) Shortly after their arrival, Isabella began complaining about stomach pains, and she would ultimately pass away as a result. Did she have the baby by this point? No, she was still pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Along with this, two more of James's children, Elizabeth and James Jr., would also die from the same complaints. It's like all Who of these people... Who is keeping an eye on this woman? Yeah. All of these people are passing away around you. Like, you don't really... But again, a lot of people were dying in, the, like, in this day. And so she's probably like, well, I mean... Uh. Wasn't Jack the Ripper prolific during this time, too? I'm I don't pretty know. Sure probably. I want to Google that. 1888. So... Oh, about it's 20 years before, later. Yeah. Before this. Or this is before that. Yeah. But it still speaks to the kind of the times, though. It's like yeah. people just go missing and people don't do shit about it. I mean, for sure. And again, this, well, this is probably, this is, like, only two years into, like, being required to report deaths. Yeah. But still. People, there's all this paperwork probably just fucking everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, again, this is Isabella, Elizabeth, and James Jr., all of the children. Mm-hmm. All three of them would be buried during late April and early May of 1867. Mary would collect life insurance on Isabella after this. Despite all of the deaths surrounding them, Mary and James would get married at St. Michael's Bishop Wormouth, Bishop Wormouth, I don't know how to say it, 
on August 11th, 1867. They would have their first child, Margaret Isabella. No. Swear. In November. She would ultimately pass away the following February, 1868. I wasn't laughing about that. I was laughing about the swear. Because I'm hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, so her, Margaret Isabella. Yeah. Like, you're taking your children's names and making another child and using those names. Yeah. But she would have been about, like, three months old. Does she, she think away. that she's, like, paying homage to these children she's killed, obviously? Maybe. Or maybe there's, like, literally no other names that exist right now. <laughs> like, honestly, at this time, there might just be no other names. Yeah, like, like, they can't just in, come up with something. In 1955, it was only the Righteous Brothers uh, Unchained Melody, but, like, four different people recorded it. It was, like, the only song you could hear in only 1955. Song, yeah. <laughs> So the two, being Margaret and James, would have a second child, George, on June 18th, 1869. Remember George, the guy that she married and then killed and then took his life insurance? Yeah, so she names her kid after him, too. George? Yeah. The George sick the guy. man? George Ward? Oh the, oh, the oh the guy that was already sick. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. She's had so many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've already forgotten. It's, I know, it's a lot of names. I was like, wasn't he William? Yeah. Yes. But that was another one. Mm-hmm. Around this same time, Mary would was continuously bugging James about making sure that he took out a life insurance policy for himself, just in case. Just in case, you know, people around me drop by flies, though. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Everything I touch dies. James would become increasingly suspicious of Mary's insistence that he insure his life, and he would refuse. Good. On top of this, James had discovered that she had run up a huge amount of debt behind his back <gasps> and had stolen more than 50 pounds from him that she had previously promised she would deposit at the bank. 50 pounds would be how much? Well, if 35 pounds was 4,000, I mean, that has to be at least, like, 10, 15,000. Yeah. You know? And then that would be, well... Then. Yeah, 10, yeah. 15,000 so then. Like, 100,000 like, Yeah, it would be a lot of money. Following this, James further found out that Mary had been forcing his older children to pawn items in the home, or out of the home, and she was pocketing that money, too. Yeah. With this information, James would kick Mary out of the home and gain custody of the son that they shared. Probably saving his life. Absolutely. After being kicked out, Mary found herself homeless and living on the streets. During this time, she would meet a woman by the name of Margaret Cotton, and Margaret would introduce Mary to her brother, Frederick Cotton. Okay. That's just a coincidence that her name's Margaret. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Frederick was a pitman and a recent widower living in Walbottle, Northumberland. What's a pitman? Um, I don't know. Maybe he, like, digs like he's in the pits. You oh, I mean? yeah. okay. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Frederick and Mary quickly found something in common, as he had lost two of his four children as well. After his wife died, Margaret had acted like a second mother to the remaining two children. This is his sister. Uh, the two children's names were Frederick Jr. and Charles. However, in late March of 1870, after Mary had met Frederick, Margaret suddenly passed away due to an undetermined stomach problem. The sister? Yes. She just hates Margaret's. I guess so. Yeah, she's got a vendetta against Margaret's. This left Mary as the next best option for Frederick and his children, and soon Mary and Frederick were living together. Shortly after this, Mary would become pregnant with her 12th child. <sighs> That's so many children. I know. The two would quickly get married Ugh. on September 17th, 1870, at St. Andrew's, Newcastle, Upton Tyne, and their son Robert would be born in early 1871. Robert, again. That's her brother's name, yeah. Yeah. Soon after the marriage, Mary would get wind that her former boyfriend, Joseph Natris, was living just 30 miles away in the county Durham village of West Auckland and was no longer married. She's like, <laughs> Yeah. 
She would seek out Joseph, and the two would quickly rekindle their relationship. So she's married. Yes. Has another baby. She's... Robert. Yeah, she has another baby. I was going to say she's pregnant, but yeah, he's... Sure and he then now she's hooking up with this boyfriend. With her ex, yeah. Okay. Mary would keep up this affair and even convince her own family to move closer to where Joseph lived. What fa- Oh, the, the, the husband, husband and the, the kid. Baby? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He has two children as well. Yeah. So, so there's three like, kids. Oh, we then... should just move to the side of town because it's nicer. Yeah, it's and better. it's easier for me to walk to my ex-boyfriend's house. Yes. <laughs> they, they would oblige and they would move. After moving, however, Frederick would pass away from gastric fever. Her the husband. husband. Okay. There's so many. I know. Insurance was taken out on Frederick's life and that of his two sons, which Mary would collect his insurance. After Frederick's death, Joseph would move into the home under the guise of being Mary's new tenant. So she's like, well, we need the extra money. We need someone to pay some rent. He's just going to move it. He's a tenant. But people can't know that I'm... Banging you. (laughs) Banging. (laughs) So he must have known that she was married. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mary would begin working in the medical field again as a nurse to an excise officer recovering from smallpox. Mm. The name of this man is not known exactly, although most sources refer to him as John Quickmanning. Okay. However, there seems to be no trace of this name in the records of the West Auckland Brewery or the National Archives. The census records, birth, death, and marriage records also never mention this guy. So okay. it seems like she kind of made this name up. Huh. However, a man by the name of Richard Quickman has been found, and sources think that this is the true name of this man. This is important for later. Either way, Mary would become pregnant with her 13th child from this man. From this other guy? Yes. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. This is one of her patients. It's another patient that's ill. So she's... Okay. Yes. So... So I'll explain it right here. died... Boyfriend moved in as a tenant. She's working for this guy, and then she gets pregnant by this guy. Yes. So Mary was still seeing Joseph at this time as well, and Frederick's children were still living with her since they had nowhere else to go. They don't have any parents. Frederick Jr. would pass away in March of 1872. Excuse me, he's a vampire. (laughs) And Mary and Frederick's infant son, Robert, would also die shortly after, leaving one child left behind and a pregnant Mary. And she's pregnant from him, from mm-hmm. the other guy. Okay. Following this, Joseph would become ill as well and would pass away from gastric fever very shortly after he and Mary had revised his will. Okay, so... This is the tenant. The tenant, okay, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Frederick's last child, seven-year-old Charles, was still alive with an active life insurance policy in place. Ugh. After these series of events, a parish official by the name of Thomas Riley had hired Mary with the premise of her helping a woman who was ill with smallpox. Hmm. Her and Thomas would begin talking throughout her visits, and she would open up to him about the fact that Frederick's last surviving child, Charles, was getting to be a little too much to handle. Imagine if you had 12 fucking children, because you gave birth to 12 children. Right. But then you also have all these other children that are these men's children that you're also killing. Yeah, exactly. She would ask Thomas if Charles could be sent to the workhouse, which is the place where people would usually go to, like, receive assistance, mm-hmm. mostly financial. I guess they take children as well. Mm-hmm. Thomas, who was also West Auckland's assistant coroner, told Mary that if she wanted to send Charles to the workhouse, she would need to accompany him as his guardian. Okay. She can't just, like, send him off on his way. Yeah. Mary would respond to this by telling Thomas, quote, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like all the rest of the cottons. End it- quote. What? 
So she just, like, straight up was like, yeah, just like... By the way, I'm just gonna kill him. By the way, I'm gonna kill him like I killed everybody else. Yeah. Five days later, Mary would inform Thomas that Charles had passed away. Five days after this conversation. Yeah. Thomas would become extremely concerned after hearing this, and he would contact the village police and even urge the doctor to delay the writing of a death certificate until a full evaluation had been done on the death. Sweet. Is this, like, the the origin of the autopsy? (laughs) Maybe. No, it's not. (laughs) Mary, on the other hand, did not first go to a doctor after the death of Charles, but instead, her first stop was to the insurance office. I thought you were going to say the fertility clinic. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. She's like, I have more children. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this honestly kind of explains maybe why she was having a lot of children, because she knew that she could collect life insurance on them, and yeah. that's terrible. That but... is terrible. While there, the insurance agent informed her that she would not be collecting any money until there was an official death certificate. Yeah, there had to be, especially at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Which she wasn't really used to, because they yeah. haven't needed death certificates True. Up until this point. And invest- oh, sorry. Sorry, do you think that she sought out men that already had children specifically to marry them that's actually a good point i didn't think about that but maybe like and like widowed men that were like willing to sad and desperate yeah i mean not sad and desperate but you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible (laughs) but yeah men that she knew that you know were going through this grieving process Mm -hmm. it was easy for her to swoop in she's already had children of her own so that's probably got to have their guard down or feel like maybe she's a good mom she could but even she, just say, like, oh, I have multiple children, they live with my parents, you know? Exactly. Like, they'll, they'll die, you know? Yeah. But that, yeah, she probably thought, oh, you know, instead of just marrying one man and then having children, I'll just marry men that already have children. That's true. And collect three times as much. It's <sighs> awful. It's gross. An investigation was launched into the death of Charles, with a verdict coming back as natural causes. Hmm. When questioned originally, Mary stated that Charles had fallen ill and that she had used an arrowroot to treat his symptoms, but it was no use. As far as Thomas going to authorities, Mary stated that he was upset because she had rejected his advances. She's like, oh, he's trying to get me in trouble because I he wanted to sleep with me and I said no. Yeah. Totally not what happened. But okay. Totally not what happened. Though Mary thought she fooled everyone yet again with Charles's death case closed... The local newspaper was not going to let the case go. And I say it like that because earlier you were like, do they even have newspapers? Do they even have the news? They would begin by investigating Mary's life and would quickly find out that she had moved all around northern England and had lost three husbands, a boyfriend, her own mother, and 11 children, all of which died from the same illness, stomach fevers. That's... A lot of people. It's a lot of... It's not a fucking That's coincidence. That's not a coincidence. Like, come on. The newspaper's probably like, what the what? fuck? <laughs> this is the... Yeah, this is also the origin story of investigative journalism. No, seriously. They're like, this is the <laughs> biggest story we've gotten in years. What Mary did not know was that while Dr. William Byers Kilburn signed off on the death certificate for Charles, he first collected samples of tissue as well, just in case. Oh, okay. Smart man. With the suspicious rumors surfacing about Mary's death trail, Dr. Kilburn decided to test the samples he took, and what turned up was traces of arsenic. (gasps) Yeah. Dr. Kilburn immediately went to police, who would immediately arrest Mary, simultaneously proposing an exhumation of Charles's body. Exhumation? Mm -hmm. I guess to make sure that the arsenic didn't come from somewhere else in the lab or something. I just feel like exhumations also weren't really a big thing then. That's just not something you did. Mm Mm-hmm. That's probably, that's probably one of the first cases of it. Mary would be charged with the murder of Charles Cotton, although the trial would be delayed until after January 7th of 1873 due to her being in labor with her 13th and final uh, child. Take that baby away from her. Snatch that baby up. 
guess what this final daughter's name is? Margaret. Yeah. Margaret, Margaret Edith Quickman and Cotton. <laughs> Quickman and Cotton, sorry. Margaret again? Like, are Margaret you serious? Again. Yeah. Do yeah. you think it... Okay, this is going to sound like a really sick question. I'm, I'm not trying to be gross when I say this. I'm being serious. Do you think that she named her children Margaret so it was easier to get rid of them because other Margarets have already gone? Yes. Yeah. I do think that. I think that maybe something... Maybe she disliked her mother or something enough, you know? True. I mean... True. Or the sister, or maybe, you know... Or maybe she just got so much attention the first time she named a daughter Margaret because it was after her sister and her mother that she continued to do True. it because it would have garnered In her honor. some attention. Yeah. Exactly. So the trial would begin on March 5th, 1873, with a delay being caused by a problem with the selection of the prosecution. Mm. One prosecutor, Mr. Aspinwall, was originally selected to be the prosecutor for the case, but the attorney general, Sir John Duke Coleridge, had the ultimate decision, and he would go with his friend and protege, Charles Russell, to be the prosecutor. Okay. He's like, I want to make sure that this is, like, happening. Right. The defense attorney in the case was one Thomas Campbell Foster... Who argued okay. during the trial that Charles had actually died from inhaling arsenic that was in the dye of the green wallpaper of the cotton home. Oh. Well, why didn't anybody else get sick? That's what I'm saying. That's, it was a dumb argument. Yeah. There was other testimony from a chemist and a doctor that went back and forth on how the child could have ingested arsenic, but ultimately, after only just 90 minutes of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. 90 minutes? Yeah. Oh, it's like hours now. Yeah. <laughs> a correspondent from the Times would report on March 20th, quote, after conviction, the wretched woman exhibited strong emotion, but this gained place in a few hours to her habitual calls, reserved demeanor, and while she harbors a strong conviction that the royal clemency will be extended towards her, she staunchly asserts her innocence of the crime that she has been convicted of. End quote. It's a lot of words in there that That's I've never words. fucking used before. And I, I certainly wanted to hear you say that in an English accent. Oh, shit. Well, the English <laughs> listeners probably don't. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> After conviction, the wretched woman exhibited strong emotion. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. Thanks. Thank you. Mary Ann Cotton would be hanged at Durham County Gowell on March 24th, 1873, just 19 days after her trial. What? Like, kill, kill her. They don't have kill anything else going on in the justice system in England at the time? No, they're like, go. Go ahead. Go. Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Mary would not die from her neck breaking, however, but from strangulation, which is something that is thought to have been deliberate. Ugh. That's why I put that in there, because they think it was, like, on purpose. They think that they rigged it in a way that, eh, that's yeah, awful. On purpose. Of Mary's children, only two would survive out of 13. Wow. That's Margaret Edith, who lived from 1873 to 1954. <gasps> that like, was like yesterday. That was like yesterday. <laughs> and her son, George, from her marriage to James Robinson, I didn't get his birth and death dates right but that's the one that the the husband took right yeah oh and the husband saved again he saved he saved he saved him and his son's life absolutely though mary never confessed to any of the murders it is thought that she killed upwards of 21 people throughout her lifetime while some people believe that mary was britain's first female serial killer there were other women that have known to have been hanged for the murder of multiple people Mm. mary ann cotton was widely recognized as the country's deadliest killer until Harold Shipman came around, and he out-killed her. Wow. Yeah. And lastly, while Mary was never diagnosed with any mental disorders, it is clear that she had something. However, mental disorders were not something that were even known about at this time, mm-hmm. let alone talked about and discussed. Yeah. So there's really, I mean, I don't even know, based on the lack of information <clears throat> in general, I couldn't even speculate. Might I mean, be a Munchausen by proxy maybe, issue. Maybe, yeah. Might, I mean, it could just be a greed personality disorder. I think it might be narcissistic yeah. or 
antisocial, honestly, because that would be like, I don't care about anything. All I want is this one thing, which is money. Right. Just hyper fixated on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story. It's a little bit of a shorty today, but again, that's a case from the 1800s. It's about all I could fucking find. Still (laughs) a lot of detail though. Yeah. You know, I mean, they clearly have a trail of hers. So yeah. that's incredible. I know. And I don't think we've ever done a case from the 1800s. Or we have, but it's very rare that we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. I know, because, well, you did HH, right? That was from the I 1800s, I did HH, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was all the way up until the 1900s or yeah. 1900s. Um, yeah. But isn't that wild that her last-born daughter, the 13th, she passed away in 1954? That's... Like, our parents were alive during that yeah. time. Yeah, like, Well, that's... one of them. <laughs> okay, dad was alive. Dad was alive. <laughs> but still, but yeah. yeah. That's Wild incredible. Story. Thanks for the suggestion, Connie. We really yeah. appreciate it. I'm glad that... I hope you enjoyed this episode and let us know what you thought. We'll for make sure. sure to tag you in the in the post. Yeah. But yeah. Do you have anything else? You should tell everyone about the Patreon episode. That's true. We are going to do our handles as well. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> like <just> <laughs> social media anywhere at Diagnosing a Killer other than X, which is at Killer Diagnosis. Buy some bracelets from us. Buy some bracelets, please. <laughs> uh, They're so cute. And I love I love the ones that we made at the con. I'm obsessed with them. And we have, yeah, lots of different options. Uh, we have that order form on our link tree, I think on our Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I was going to say something else, then I was like, wait, you just said it all. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Leave us a review, guys, please, if you like what we're doing and you want to hear more, which you will anyway. But leave us mm-hmm. a review. That really helps us get into the recommended of like other people's streams that they listen to like a similar podcast and things like yeah. that. It help boost us on the page for sure. And it'll actually help us be able to make more content as well. Mm-hmm. So please do that. So the announcement, Patreon exclusive coming out October 29th, we are going to be discussing Columbine Ooh. and it is a doozy. Yeah. And that is why we've decided to make that a Patreon or I've decided to make that a Patreon content heavy, um, pretty graphic. The topic overall is really sensitive. For sure. Um, and I would like everybody to know that m- me personally, I wasn't, I wouldn't say directly affected, but I do know people that were directly affected and I would like to tackle it with as much understanding, compassion, grace, um, and at the same time, really bring awareness to something that, again, shifted our, especially our nation, into um, kind of this. It propelled us in a way that was just a very, very interesting time. Um, you know, during that time in in uh, you know the the nineties and the early two thousands and school and school shootings and it's just kind of the one that just stuck with stuck with me stuck with a lot of people my age and um a little younger than me and definitely older than me and it just it became this this thing and it's again i just want to be really respectful however i'm going to bring the raw content because it's the reality absolutely and like i was just thinking while you were talking like it's a hard topic but it still happens every day yeah and so it needs to be talked about Mm -hmm. And we will be the ones to talk about it. Yeah. Well, you will be the one. I'll be I will be the comment. one. And it's gonna, you know, I'm so glad that we decided to do these, like, once a month because, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we satiate ourselves into these worlds with, and who these people are and what they did and their crimes and and their their mental disorders, you know, whether they're present or not, and, or at least the speculation of sometimes, 
and it gets so heavy that it's it's really hard to pull yourself out of it. It's almost like you're going through it all over again, especially if it's something that you feel particularly attached to. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful that these really tough cases that we bring on Patreon, we're only doing once a month. Yeah, because for sure. We go through it, we write it, we live it, we breathe it, we dream about it sometimes. Oh, yeah. And then we deliver it, and then it's kind of like, oh, it's like a wash. You know, it's like mm-hmm. standing in the rain like Andy Dufresne and just it washing <laughs> over you. And Dufresne. And Dufresne. <laughs> and just letting it go and it be out there and, you know, not necessarily have to think about it ever again, but it's, it's nice to kind of cleanse yourself of it and then start tackling the next one for sure and this is also a requested case by our listener from india ashana Mm -hmm. so ashana if you're listening and that's patreon exclusive go ahead and and if you would like to hear that episode top tier two and three actually we didn't even say this to all the listeners two and three is going to get you that exclusive bonus episode and thanks for the suggestion for sure yeah yeah all right i think we're done for the night do you have anything else no i think that's it okay (sighs) well thanks for listening you guys we love you very much and we'll see you later love you you. Bye. bye Looking to expand your wine knowledge or just indulge in your favorites? Gold Medal Wine Club is what you're looking for. Enjoy small production, award-winning wines from authentic, family-owned wineries delivered right to your door. Unlike other Wine of the Month clubs, Gold Medal Wine Club never features private labels or bulk wines. Instead, every shipment is from a unique, family-owned winery, each with a personalized story to tell. Take advantage of multiple different style offers when using the link in our show notes and take home the gold today.